Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Hello, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Redefined, Changing the Experience of Divorce. I am your host, Cindy Stibbard. And for those of you who are new to my podcast, welcome. I am a certified divorce coach, certified divorce specialist, and trained relationship decision coach. I'm a single mother of two teens who went, and I went through my own divorce myself five years ago, which was what launched me on this path that I am now on in redefining myself, my purpose, and my mission to changing the experience of divorce for others. I truly believe there is this huge gray space that needs to be filled between the process of contemplating divorce and actually jumping into the process. And even when we're in the process, I think there are so many better decisions that can be made to mitigate the negative effects that divorce can have on ourselves, our families, and our finances. But we don't make these better decisions because we just don't know what they are. So my goal and my purpose is to provide you with the information, the education, the guidance, the inspiration, and the empowerment so you can make the best decisions for you. My mission is to provide all of you out there with the kind of support I wish I had when I was going through divorce myself. We may not be able to change the system of divorce, but we can most definitely change how we prepare and navigate and utilize the system in an effective way that can eventually lead to a better outcome on everyone in the event of divorce. You know, I always say divorce is never easy, no matter how you cut it, but it doesn't have to be ugly because making it ugly is a choice. And today, I'd like to introduce you to a very special guest who I'm really excited about because she's actually the youngest guest I've ever had on my podcast. Annie Mayfield is a 24-year-old, four-times published author, two-time Amazon bestseller, leader of a sales organization with over 4,000 consumers, and host of the Apple podcast, Made to Shine, which has streamed in over 40 countries. In 2022, she was selected by the New York Journal as one of the top female leaders to look for in 2022 and was just elected top 30 inspiring women to look out for in 2023 by the Entrepreneur Herald. Holy cow. Annie's sole purpose is to help women in leadership through faith, financial, and health. And I am so excited to have her here because I think that change actually begins from a really young age. And I think she is a front runner of change for people in her her cohort, her environment, her age group. And I just love Annie, what you do and the, the power that you bring young people. And I think that you have such an opportunity to really be a front runner for change. So welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. Cindy, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored and humbled to be here, especially with the impact you're having. Just excited to dive in and see the value we can bring for your audience today. 
Oh my gosh. I think huge because, you know, I look at you and I think of my daughter and I would, God, I would love for her to have a path like you have and have done so much like you have done in your very short years on this planet at 24 to have come this far and to be such an impact already serving others in the way that you do is so inspiring. And I mean, I wish I could backtrack my own 24 years to almost get to where you are to get to where you are now. I think that's so incredible. So let's start by sharing a little bit with us about your story, kind of how you took this path to where you are and how you got here. Man, where to begin? <laughs> I think it would be very reassuring because it's very easy when you know you read someone's accomplishments to all of a sudden isolate yourself from ever relating to them because you're like, wow, they did all these things, but you don't know the whole story. And I think what would be reassuring for people to hear was I was not always that driven. I was not always someone who was confident with herself and felt like she could make a difference. I was not someone that felt like she was even important enough to, to mm. have a voice. And for me, as a young girl, I was very shy. I was very introverted. The kind of kid that, I mean, even if I had a question in class that I was like, okay, I really need this answered, I wouldn't raise my hand because I was afraid it was a stupid question or I was afraid mm. of being seen. And um, what really kind of made the shift for me is in, in college, um, which is why actually I'm so passionate about your work and kind of what we spoke to my podcast, I got into a, a long relationship that didn't end very well at all. And I had put all of my identity in this person. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to college for tennis, which was kind of my only outlet, but by the, the last end of that relationship, all of my identity, I could care less about tennis. I could care less about my grades. It was, it was this guy. And when he ended it, um, I was sort of blindsided and broken. And I, for the first time in my life, was just left with this feeling of literally, who am I? Like, why am I here? And uh, it was, you know, I went through a season where just nothing felt better. You know, my my friends, my tennis team, they tried to get me to go out. They tried to get me to go meet new people, all this stuff. But for me, it was as if just nothing seemed to fill that void in my heart that I felt like what I know now for me, it's just like my spirit, my soul was longing for, which is like, I am here to save myself. Like I am here to do the work. No one's going to do it for me. No boyfriend, no guy, no sport, no wow. money. And so I, um, I remember I picked up a book. It was by Jen Chinchero. You are a badass. And oh, I, I love that book. Yes. Yes. Okay, so it was my first self-development book I'd ever read. And that led me to a journey, led me on a faith journey, primarily a spiritual journey. I really just got connected with my creator and why I feel like I'm here. And I released kind of these expectations of trying to fill my heart with other people, understanding mm. they're off the hook. They can't do that job. It's not on them. It's on me giving that to my creator. That's the only thing I can do. And what I recognize, Cindy, is in that year of doing the work, no one my age had written a self-development book. And wow. you know, similar to your work, you saw a problem and you're like, well, no one else is solving this. I need to create a, a platform for this issue. That's what I saw. I was like, yeah. wow, the amount of people my age, the amount of women that don't read this material because they don't maybe see themselves in the author or the creator. 
I guess, I guess it's time to do it. Like, no <laughs> yeah. And I was by no means qualified. I always tell people I barely passed English in high school. I, <laughs> I my English teachers laugh. They're like, only God could do that because I really <laughs> did. I barely passed English in high school. And it's just such a, you know, only God could have done what he's done. And uh, to that point, I wrote my first book at 20. And from there, I, uh, my fifth one actually came out this last Sunday. <gasps> what? Five books. Oh my God. That's incredible. Incredible. To that point, I think, uh, you know, like I said, it's easy to look from the outside and be like, what? That's so awesome. But the journey of it is, is doing the work. It's looking mm-hmm. in the places. And that's what my my books are all about. It's it's offering people a personal example of me looking into places of my life that are insecure, that are fear, you know, just encompassed and places I don't feel good enough as a woman, as a person in this world and, and shining truth in that and showing people practically how to do the work because we need more women doing the work. We do. Yeah, that is huge. And a lot of young people would take that break up and- you know, drown their sorrows in whatever they needed to do, like alcohol, like food, like another relationship and move forward. I mean, I know I did that when I was your age too, because I wasn't, I don't think I was open to learning from that experience. So what made you different where you had that breakup? Let's say it was almost like this light bulb went off for you in terms of, I need to to go deeper in myself because a lot of young people don't do that. So what made you choose to, did you have a supportive parent around you or someone who who told you or in, or guided you that way or what came to you to think that I should really invest in this and I'm going to write a book about it so the way i describe it if everyone you know we've all been thirsty before and imagine like your entire life when you're thirsty drinking salt water and then for the first time you drink legitimate water it is so fulfilling you can't go back to drinking mm. salt water and that's kind of how that happened. I, I do have the best parents in the world. I will say that. They are so incredible. I know we've talked before about my mom. She's such a model. She modeled to us young girls. You will know your finances. You will know like who you are in God. You will know to take care of your grades. You will know to get an education. You will know these things. Um, it's easy though, at least in my journey, I forgot those things along the way. If you don't right. continue practicing and flexing that muscle, that muscle atrophies. And so kind of my story is... When I picked up that Jin Shinchero book and I reconnected with that part of myself, because Cindy, I did too. I tried. I tried to go on. <laughs> I tried to, to drink. I tried. To <laughs> and it was like wearing an outfit that just mm. not only didn't look right on me, but it was uncomfortable. And I felt more broken. That was kind of my compass. It wasn't a matter of, oh, you know, I initially know what to do. I initially know to just go be a a game changer and write books for my healing. No, I did all probably the wrong things first. And my compass was that didn't make me feel good. In fact, it made me feel more broken. I mean, I remember going on dates. I like got a, a downloaded a dating app like right after and went on some dates and came home feeling more lonely than before Aww. I left. And I was like, okay, that doesn't feel good. So maybe finding another boyfriend isn't the answer. And then I tried going partying. Then I come back late in, or I guess early in the morning. And I I was like, that didn't feel good either. And then when I was reading those pages of the book, it was like for the first time, there was an answer to something that almost like I knew it was in me all along, but I just hadn't connected with it in such a long time. It, 
It felt like a fresh breath of air. And once you get that, it's it's almost impossible not to follow it. Um, yeah. you know, and I'm sure you felt that before too. It's just when you know what you need to do, you can't sleep at night until you've taken at least a step. Yeah. I mean, that is so incredibly powerful that you were able to have that that level of awareness at such a young age. How did that impact the people that you were hanging around with at the time? Because I know our friend group has a lot to do with our healing and even the direction that we take, even after a breakup. Like, how are they supporting and embracing? Were they embracing this new, you know, self development type personality that you were that you were showing to the world? That's such a good question. And that's actually one I love to talk about because it was very split. And when I say split, there was more people that were more so weirded out by it uh, mm. and those that actually supported it. And not only that, but at the time in college, you know, I had maybe one or two friends that supported me and they loved me through it, but they weren't actively joining me necessarily. It was very much like me. This was a, it was a lonely journey at first. However, um, what that did for me was filter out the people that are really in the long-term hall for yeah. me, love me. And it brought me so much closer with my family. Like I said, I love my parents. I have the best family. And and they, I saw, were truly like, it, it was another version and expression of love I didn't know they had for me. And the kind that it's not this they like the, or love the idea of me they have, but they love the actual me because I'm right. constantly changing and growing. And that's the kind of love that's special and unique. And um, even with, I've only had that with a few friends in my life, but what I always like to remind people, because especially people my age, in fact, I don't think you ever age out of this. We care so much about what people think. We and do. It, it keeps us in comfortable places. I know you like to use that word a lot. Comfortable places, but places that aren't growing us, places that mm-hmm. we're not making an impact because we're so afraid of what Susie Q is going to say about us on whatever. That being said, what I truly believe is a lot of times when you start growing the people that try to pull you down, the people that aren't supportive, it's only because you're giving them no excuse for why they can't also be growing. And they don't. So that's what I found is that, you know, a lot of, for example, my high school friends, we all started from the same place. And when I started growing and changing and evolving, I think it touched light on some insecurities of theirs as to why they're holding themselves back from doing the same. Yeah. And I don't think you realize that at a, at a young age, that that's what's really happening. You know, you, you have this judgment towards others, but you don't realize that the judgment that you hold is actually just a reflection of where you think you're falling short in yourself. Right. And so for you to be able to have that, that calling that epiphany at a young age is so huge. Cause I do think that there are three times in life where we can really truly almost filter out the people within our lives and, and, and tighten our circle of influence, so to speak, right? And I think the self-development journey and the growth journey is going to do that to you because people are going to get weirded out. They are uncomfortable. They're like, I don't know what's going on. They're all fluffy now and into themselves. And I think, I don't know why they just don't want to stay the same. Then you have divorce, which does that as well because people back off and you trigger a lot of unresolved trauma in people as well as you know they're on the fence about their own marriage. And so your choices definitely bring up a lot for people. And then also the entrepreneur journey, 
you know, so you as a young person going through the self-development as also now switching gears to become an entrepreneur, which in itself, and I think that we both agree and everyone else out there who has ever gone down this path knows how lonely and challenging it can be. And so already you're the dividing yourself from the people in your lives and tra- changing direction. And already that can be also that in itself, regardless of self-development is a whole nother area that people find it hard to understand, mm-hmm. you know, so uh, like entrepreneurialism, like what are you doing? <laughs> yes. And I think, and honestly, to, to echo that one of the hardest things I've realized on the entrepreneurial journey is that because it's not normal, a lot of times, even the people that love you and they support you, they don't really understand what you do. And so it's very hard for them to celebrate you at a deep level when you do accomplish something. Because, for example, in the corporate environment, it's very common knowledge. Oh, you got a promotion to this position. That's exciting. That's awesome. When you're an entrepreneur, it's a little subjective what success Mm -hmm. looks like. And so um, that's hard, too, especially something I've identified in myself as a woman. It's like I... um, have always craved so much just the the applause. Like I want someone to tell me good job. Words of affirmation is always my love language. And I've had to work on that because it was kind of a hindrance to my growth at one point. Uh, to that standpoint, when I first began my entrepreneurial journey, I struggled with that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, not necessarily having the authentic good job, Annie. Like that was awesome. Not because the people in my corner weren't supportive, but because they literally couldn't understand. And I, I think as a woman in the entrepreneurial journey, we're so geared towards community and we're so geared towards, you know, nurturing people and wanting to make sure they feel included and that kind of familial aspect that was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of added to that layer of loneliness that you were speaking to. Yeah. And when you went to through college, did you know this is kind of the path that you were taking or did you go in thinking that you were going to get out and find a job and go go into corporate or doctor or lawyer or whatever? Was this initially what you were going to school to do? I always, so I went to school for psychology and I was dead set on being a, a sports psychologist. Okay. And the reason for that was when I was in high school, like I said, I went to uh, college for sports. I went for tennis. I ran track my senior year. And I sat in my sports psychologist's office my senior year of high school and was fascinated by her job. I was like, you just get to talk to people about what they do all day and how they (laughs) feel? And what I think is so cool is um, for me and like what I really believe is like, you know, I'm doing this now and it's an expression of that initial curiosity that I had, like that initial gift that I had to want to talk to people about their mindset and how they feel and be able to be in tune with my feelings. Like I thought I was going to be a sports psychologist using that. And, you know, God gave me that gift, but he had a different plan for how I was going to be using this. And um, how I always like to explain it is what you're going to do in life it's not given to you in the form of a map. It's like, I think God kind of lights matches and it's one step at a time. And so did I know this was what I was going to do? No, not at all. 10 years ago, Annie, I'd be very confused as to what I do. I mean, I would have been, (laughs) so I'd be very confused as to author, you know, I'd say you're joking, but it's following that internal compass. Mm -hmm. You talk about like your inner knowing. I truly believe, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, 
Sometimes it's hazy and unclear as to the direction, but the moments you know what to do and just that next step to take, if you're obedient to that, it leads you to the very next step of the place that I think God needs you to be. And so that's just kind of what I did throughout college. I just listened to the small steps and it got me here. And I don't look at here as the destination. I don't think right. there is a destination. That's the thing. It's, 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 you talk about detachment a lot, which I love in regards to relationships. It's the same with businesses. I am Annie Mayfield. I do writing. I right. do speaking, but that's not who I am, mm-hmm. which means when it's time to change course, I will be obedient and change course because my identity isn't wrapped up in this first draft of my life. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. And to be okay with that, like we aren't setting this in stone, that this is just the journey and the path that we're on and we're going to see where it leads. So looking at, you know, other women in your situation and they're going to university and it's so common. I think something like over 80% of people go into, you know, a career with a company, like a very standardized job because you have bills to pay, you have a future to create, you know, the, the expectations are there by whether it be family or society. And sometimes we talked about my calling where I went into being a teacher, although it wasn't my calling because it was kind of what's expected of you as a woman. And you're, you know, it's a, it's a great position for, for a female. And I didn't listen to my inner voice. So what, what like advice would you tell other women in that situation where they're either coming out of university or they're in it and they're trying to figure out what they want to do? How do they, how do they tune in to that inner voice and that calling and that wisdom? Mm, Such a good question. The first thing is I would just say in regards to the term, my calling that in fact, there is, I think it kind of groups to this word purpose Mm. and there's actually a new word or term for my generation, which is purpose anxiety. A lot of people are, what's my calling? What's my calling? What am I called to do? And I am a big believer that we are all called to deserve. That's what we're called to do. We are called to serve each other. Now, the vehicle to which we serve is going to look different in each season. But the core of like why we are here on this earth, it's to serve. And sometimes that looks like being a stay-at-home mom. You are serving your kids for this season. Sometimes that looks like you're a tennis coach at the club you trained at in high school for this short season after college. Personal example. Um, (laughs) you You are serving as a tennis coach in this season. Back to the point, um, we put so much emphasis on what we do in regards to how we make money that we look at that as the destination. What I would tell young people, I guess, first this, and then I'll answer your question on how to be more aware, take the pressure off first thing. The first step to being more aware is take the pressure off. You can't see clearly when you have your your hands over your eyes. And that's what pressure does. It, It blinds us from clarity. It blinds us from what our inner knowing is trying to tell us because we're trying to shove it in this box of how we think things should go. It's probably not going to look like the package you want. And that's okay. You don't need to put this pressure on yourself to, you know, figure out all the answers then and there. I think it is as simple as before you can connect with what you want to do from like a monetary standpoint, from a professional standpoint, you've got to reconnect with who you are. Mm -hmm. I can honestly say that, because I had all those feelings in college. You know, we had to pick a major like 
before we started freshman year. And everyone right. was saying, you know, because of how classes lined up, if you pick the wrong major, you're gonna have to stay in college like four more years because you couldn't catch up. And so little 18 year old Annie is picking out what she wants to do for the rest of her life. That's kind I of- I know, that's huge, yeah. huge pressure. Yes. And so I had all that pressure when I really started connecting with who I am, my spirit, my heart, my spirituality. When I got connected with that, everything else fell into place. I think it's more so reconnecting with the fact you are love. You are that. You are light. You are those things. No one can take that away from you. No job, no title, no degree, no grade nothing. When you first establish that, you believe that and you're aligned on that, the language to which your inner knowing kind of translates and conveys messages to you, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it's like you just learned how to speak French fluently. I mean, I know <laughs> myself so well because I love myself so well. And because I am love and I was made in the image of love, that that two-way conversation makes sense. You can't try to talk to your inner knowing, which is love itself, if you don't first love yourself. It's not going to make sense and you're not going to know the next step to take. So to be more aware, you need to figure out first how to love yourself. Oh my gosh, mic drop. I swear to God, I love your generation because you guys are so attuned to this. Like this has taken me 47 years to figure out, (laughs) you know? And I think like that's the beauty I think of your generation and I love that my daughter is going to be, you know, following on these, on these heels of yours and your generation, because you are so much more attuned with yourself and listening to your inner knowing and being okay with that and reducing judgment on the outside and actually following your listening to that inner whisper of yourself and knowing that you do matter and that you are love and that you are worthy. And I think the more that we can pour into ourselves, you know, the the better that you're going to be in the long run, instead of all of us who didn't have that and, and to not blame anyone. I just don't think that we were, my generation was very, you know, aware, open or educated in that way yet. So we're all doing the backtrack work on doing that now of figuring that out and the, the powering feeling that that has on you is so amazing. And to be able to go into life with that kind of empowerment can, I think, truly pave the way to doing things in a different way. And whether that even mean experiencing relationships or marriage or or career or your independent life in a different way, I think that it comes right with that is by knowing yourself first. Because like you said too, you got yourself really deep into losing yourself in a relationship because you didn't know yourself first. And I think that's a huge mistake that a lot of people make. I made it too, because you give your your value and your worth and worth and you tied up with another person. And you think that another person or another something is going to fill those those cups for you of need, of fulfillment, of love, of worthiness, and that it actually is outside of you or whether it's it's actually inside of you. And I love too how you are such a proponent of financial wealth and financial health and guidance at such a young age. Because I think especially for girls and women, this is so crucial because even in my line of work and right now, and even for myself, I see so many women in their middle age, whether it be 30s, 40s, who are in situations that they don't want to be in. They're in unhealthy, unhappy marriages, relationships, potentially abusive. 
But because they have now become so financially dependent on their spouse or their partner, or they do not have the financial means of their own because they've either stayed at home raising a family or they just didn't, you know, learn or educate themselves in that way. Now they're truly at a loss of what to do. And it really disempowers you. So in your Instagram, this great post that I love about about what you've posted, you you talk about the two best things that you did for financial wellness when you got out of college. So do you want to talk about what those two things are? Yes. And I'll add to it because I think um, I am so passionate about this. I really am. And, and for some context, I was blessed with a mother who she uh, works with clients for a living for for wealth management. And she just, she saw this time and time again. She saw really wealthy families, a divorce happen or a death happen, or it was always the women. They didn't even know what they were entitled to. They didn't know what to ask for. Um, but I think in regard to so that inspired me from a young age, it was just like always have a pulse check on your finances. And the biggest thing, the biggest couple of things I did is one, I learned how to budget. I learned how to budget my money because I don't care how much money you make. You need to know what's coming in each month and you need to know what's going out and you need to know, okay, what are my non-negotiable expenses? What are my negotiable expenses? And the thing is for most people, those are the non-negotiables are the same. It's like, it's food, it's living. It's if you have a car, it's transportation, right? The the discretionary or the negotiable are the ones that you kind of have to to wiggle room on, like I would consider my highlights non-negotiable, but of course those are pretty negotiable. If I was in a pinch, I probably wouldn't. Get my highlights. <laughs> now that being said, as a woman, a lot of people just don't know how to budget. They don't even know where to start. And so the first thing that I did out of college was, you know, when I was making barely anything, even if it was like, I was bringing in $400 a month, I knew what was going out. I knew what was coming in. I always made sure that there was a a good chunk that was going into savings, going into investments. I like to say about 20% going into savings and investments. That's just the start. Like how I like to, I do the 50, 30, 20 rule. It's like 50% of what comes in each month, you want to go towards your non-negotiable, about 30% your negotiable, about 20% your savings and investments. Mm. For me, that's a great starting point. If you want to put more into investments, look at then your negotiable expenses. But for women, like just just the practice, it's the practice of how to handle money. Because yeah. I was talking about um, the inner knowing, it's a language. Like money is a language, and you have a financial blueprint. You mm-hmm. have a financial money blueprint, whether you're scarcity mindset or abundant mindset. You spend a lot, or you save too much, and you don't put it towards anything. You have to figure out what that is. You have to get to know yourself, figure out your your temptations, put that down. The other thing is I immediately got into investments and I knew nothing. I want people to know that I knew nothing about investments, but I Googled stuff. Right. Started Google university. It's free for everyone. It's my favorite college (laughs) or my favorite university. Um, But for people right out of school, like the S and P 500, it's a great place to start, but just Putting money in an investment, most women have never even done that. Yeah. I mean, just the, the empowerment that comes from knowing you have an asset that's growing already. Like, that's just comfort. And I always tell people, make those payments each month automatic because you don't need to be manually putting it in. Then you probably will forget all the stuff. 
automatic, but, but do something, even just small, educate yourself on investments and then just do it. Don't think about it. Like, just do it. I don't care if it's $10, start small. Yeah. Um, you don't need $500 million to invest well. You can start with $10 a month and that's perfect. It's just flexing the muscle. Um, I would also add to just the importance of, cause I do have friends that like their, um, you know, their dream was to get married and be a mom. And I'm so supportive of that. Like, I think every single woman, the call in their heart is different. And I'm supportive of people following the call in their heart. hundred percent. At that same time, I always tell them, don't forget how to work. Right. Have something going. I'm not saying your marriage is going to end. But he could die. Like that's dark. Yeah. Like you gotta you gotta be practical. He could pass away. Um, y'all could go through, he could lose his job. Like you might have to step up and working is hard. It's a muscle you have to flex. And like I said, if you don't flex your muscles, they atrophy. And I'm I know in your experience, you you spoke to this a little bit when we spoke earlier, like not working for years and years and years, it's a lot harder to get back in the game than. Even if you're doing, I kind of look at like a gas pedal, like a car, you know, you're sometimes you're not going to be going 90 miles an hour, but at least be going one, like never mm-hmm. take your foot off the gas pedal. I don't care if you are um, like nannying for a few hours or even like doing, making jewelry and selling it on Etsy just for fun. I don't care. There's something very important about constantly being connected with your financial language, how you like to work how you like to make money, your tendencies, your strengths, your weaknesses. As a woman, that's vital. And that will make your relationship better, your your family dynamic better. And it's empowering for yourself to know I can create. Like, you know, I believe we are made in the image of our creator. We are literally designed to create. Yeah. So knowing that, you are disconnecting from who you were made to be when you're not creating something. And it doesn't have to be something that makes $5 million a year, but just make constantly be creating something that makes money for you. Yeah. I think that's so powerful because it's also just empowering and you're right. It's not really about the money, but it's about what that money can do for you to empower you to be able to make decisions, you know, and be able to have that freedom to choose in life. If something goes wrong, you can, you can get yourself out of it. You know, like you said, we, we go into this marriages thinking, you know, that nothing could happen to our spouse. But that's true too. Yes, it possibly could. And I don't discount anyone who's out there raising children because that's a very hard job. I know myself, I took 11 years off and I did that same thing. And within that though, I did lose myself and figure didn't know where I was supposed to be. And I lost the sight of what I was here to to do and what I was supposed to create and the serving of the children and the raising of them. That's a great part, but I knew that wasn't it. That wasn't the be all end all. There was something more, but I didn't know what that was. And I think without the empowerment of keeping yourself connected, building that financial muscle up that you're saying, I know it's a boring conversation. You don't want to know. It's really sometimes complicated, but the more you get into it, the more you can empower yourself to at least have the knowledge to know better. And I remember too, even when I was teaching and I had no investments yet at the time and I was in my twenties and I met with a financial advisor for the first time. And I was like, well, I can't invest. I have no money because I was not very good with money. And I didn't believe that I had enough money to save. 
And so he crunched the numbers and said, oh, yes, you do. Like you're just, you've got this, this money that comes here, this extra money. Why can't you cut back in certain ways over here, here, here? And then we can just automatically take it out of your account, which was a total genius move because I never had to think about it. It just came out. And then when it comes out of your account automatically like that, you can't spend it. Cause not there. <laughs> and yeah. you talk about like, you talk about biggest expenses that you could cut back on early on to save money. And you also talk about multiple streams of income, which I think too, is such a key factor. I think also women need to learn how to do that. I'm even seeing women at my age relearning or learning for the first time how to do that. Talk about that for a second. Cause I think when, when people hear that, it sounds like such an amazing concept, but then they don't know what to do or how to get started and what that even means, multiple streams of income, right? 100%. This is one of my favorite things to talk about because I am so passionate about multiple streams of income, not just in regards to like financial health, but what I noticed for me, it, it was for my personal health. What it does is it gives you perspective. It allows you to flex different muscles in different ways. It allows you to prevent burnout because you take that pressure off of having to make one thing work all the time. Mm -hmm. And essentially when I say multiple streams of income, it means there is income coming in from different sources, sources such as maybe you're a lawyer, but on the side, you flip things on Amazon, or maybe you're a lawyer and you flip books on Audible, or in addition to that, you have investments growing. In addition to that, maybe you're interested in real estate. Now, when I say that, typically what most people think is that's going to require a lot of time. I don't have that time. I am drowning in my nine to five as it is. And this is what I always say. I say, it's because you're thinking in regards to linear income. So quick tidbit, linear income for people who aren't aware, it, it's trading your time for money. You know, you, you clock in, you clock out, you babysit for three hours, you never get paid on those three hours ever again. That's linear income. That's what most nine to fives are, right? Um, in regards to passive income, that is you do the work once and you get paid on it over and over and over again. An example of this would be like uh, like Matthew McConaughey, right? I love the movie, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. He filmed that movie once. He's getting paid on it for the rest of his life. <laughs> right. Every time someone watches it, he gets a little cha-ching in his bank account. So those are the two different types of income we're working with. And when most people are like, I can't get another job. I don't have time for that. I'm like, that's not what I mean. What I mean mm -hmm. is create other passive sources of income. Because with most passive income creation, it doesn't require like sitting at a desk for hours at a time. You can do little nuggets of it in your day. So you can do a little bit here, a little bit there. Great examples, um, flipping things on Amazon, maybe an hour each night, like you you love going to different antique shops and you decide to on Amazon, put up a page and resell the things you find, clean them up a little bit and sell them for a higher price than you bought it and make a profit. Maybe you do that for, you know, 30 minutes in the morning before your job, 30 minutes at night or 30 minutes at lunch. Like you find pockets. Another great example, real estate. Um, I know tons of people in my, my siblings who are working some corporate jobs, like they have employees that are really into real estate. And so on the weekends, that's what they do. They, they go and they figure out how to, you know, bring on real estate where they can do an Airbnb situation or 
And that requires a lot of capital. So for people that don't have a lot of capital, I love recommending things like network marketing. Network marketing is great. You find a company you really believe in and the products that mm-hmm. are great and the, the compensation plan is healthy and legitimate. Great source of income because you just pay for your products each month. You can you know reach out to people throughout the day. Bada bang, bada boom. It's awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, but, but to, to that point, the reason behind this, because that's what I want to get at. In the case, I think if COVID taught us anything, it's that you just, you never know. You never know mm-hmm. what's going to happen. I know yeah. um, I love keeping up with the news and like the tech world right now. Um, it, tons of layoffs, Google, tons of layoffs. And and it's a matter of then like the companies are just sending people an email. Like, sorry, your position's no longer secure. Yeah. That is their livelihood gone. And, and granted, you know, there's a lot more jobs open than there are diminishing right now in the market. However... If you have other faucets of income going, it puts you in a much better position to give yourself time to make a plan. So what I want people to get, Cindy, is when I say multiple streams of income, I don't mean five streams of income bringing you in uh, $100,000 each year. Yeah, sure, that'd be ideal, but it could be you're working your corporate job. That's your main gig. The other streams of income are bringing you an extra 500 bucks a month. Right. 100 bucks a month. I mean, that over time compounds to massive results. And you can even take that money. Like if you want to flip on Amazon, take that money, put it towards investments, flip it again. Yes. But that's what I see is true financial security is when you have like, it's, it's like a table. If a table has one leg, it's not very secure. If it has five, six, eight legs, even just four, that thing's not wobbling. And so I look at financial security and why I get so passionate about it, especially women who we are innate multitaskers. We are so good at exactly the the plan for for what this requires. Yes. Oh my gosh. You told, I nailed it. And I think that too, you're taking away the fear that I think people think that I have to have a lot. I have to have a lot of money or I have to have a lot of time to do this. And they discount, I mean, even myself, when I started this, you discount making the the couple hundred extra dollars a month or the $500 a month, that's money you didn't have that you can now invest in something or save and that can grow on its own. So it's just a little bit. And the more you get intimate, the more you just get practice of building that, that wealth and that muscle and becoming more successful. So what did you invest into right away? Like in terms of passive income to get that going for you? Absolutely. So I big believer, I, so obviously as an author, for me, flipping books uh, or putting my books on Audible, uh, funny enough for anyone who is an author, um, about Audible is responsible for like about 40% of the revenue of books coming in, but only 10% of books are actually on Audible. And so mm. in regards to just the opportunity, they're huge. I'm also obviously very into my investments. Right off the bat as a college student, it was really network marketing that opened the vision for me for passive income. I aligned with the company I believed in. I already used their products. I loved it. And it started as 50 bucks a month. But as a college student who didn't have time for a job at the boutique because I had sports and all the stuff, I really needed that $50 a month. It grew and it compounded and it compounded. And then, you know, eventually I was able to put that towards investments. Another thing I want to add though, because I remember this was so much part of the vision I saw for myself was it allowed me to set myself up for options. 
And that's why I'm really passionate because where I see young people, I don't want to say young people, people of any age. Sure. Right now you might have the time and the capacity to work your full-time nine to five. You might have the time to, you know, do all these different things and, and be all these different places. But one day you might not want to do that. Like how I teach people now in my age and like, listen, you don't have kids yet. You don't have, um, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen health-wise, all the stuff. So by having multiple streams of income now, it's setting yourself up for eventually, like if you did want to leave your nine to five, and if it was financially available to you, you give yourself the option to do that as opposed to being locked into this one way of life that at one point served you very well, but now doesn't fit in with what you want for yourself. And for me, oh my gosh, that's a breath of fresh air because with my money now, because it's so diverse, I'm able to know, okay, like I one day could pursue something else different if I wanted to. Yeah, um, Giving yourself that, that gift in advance. I'm over here saying, you know what? 28 years old, Annie is going to say thank you to this 24 year old version of myself because right? giving me that freedom of, do I want to stay home with my kids one day or not? Oh my gosh, that is huge. It gives you options. That is so that is so powerful because I think that is so true. And you are such a huge success already at a, at a 24-year-old age. I can't even imagine what you're going to be by the time you're my age. <laughs> um and you talk about success and you there's one quote that you talk about that says success doesn't change you, it reveals you. And when I read that on your Instagram, I was like, oh, "Wow, yes." So tell me more about that because I think that is super powerful. We're all we're all chasing this success, but what does that really mean? I love that question because that's the thing. I think you have to get very granular on what does success mean to you? And that's going to look different in different seasons. Sometimes like I remember from my own personal journey, uh, you know, right now I'm in a season of like push, like I'm going, I'm, I'm going after things. I just launched my last book. It's like success for me is that coming out in a way that serves the, the, my audience and my people, the way that I really felt like God needed me to and articulating it the right way. Um, sometimes success in seasons looks like giving myself more rest because mm. I'm not resting enough. And I, I feel like I'm not in tune with myself enough because I'm so busy being busy. I'm not busy being productive. And so resting and reconnecting with myself and my why and why I'm doing it, that might be a successful day. And so I would encourage people is to define what success means to them. For me, it's just a matter of like, am I loving my creator, loving his people and serving in the way he needs me to in the season? That's Mm -hmm. success for me. And it has nothing to do with outcome, how things were received. I think that's where we, um, sometimes we, we mesh those things together too much. It's like serving people and loving people for me, that success in that is independent of how it was received because yeah. I can control, I could love someone to the best ability that I possibly can. And they could literally not want to hear it. Yeah. Literally, not see it. literally not want to be around it. You know what? I was still successful because I tried. And so what I mean by success reveals who you truly are, it's the intention behind why you wanted what you wanted in the first place. Did you want, let's use a non-business example. Did you want to be a mom for the pretty Christmas cards and Instagram posts? Right. Yeah. Or did you want to be a mom because you were excited to serve your little babies when they were up all night throwing up 
Did you want to yeah. be mom for the messy moments or for the highlight moments? Yeah. And that's the case, whether it's a business standpoint, a, a family standpoint, professional, whatever it is, it's what was your intention? When you get on a platform and lights are shown at you, it reveals to everyone what was always there. I say money does the same thing. Money mm-hmm. makes you more of who you are. Yeah. If you are very greedy, if you are someone that is really, um, you know, just once, once, once and never gives, money will make you more of that. Mm-hmm. If you're giver, if you're someone that wants to serve, money is an amazing tool to give even more and serve even more. Success is the same thing. It's your intention behind it. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Totally nailed that. I think that you're so right. I think money definitely reveals who you are. I also think alcohol does that. Yes. <laughs> you know, two yeah. things I think like reveal your true personality. And yeah, I think that, you know, it's not really about success doesn't necessarily equate to money. I think we get that confused a lot and we don't really enjoy wealth. I think until we start to give it back in a really serving way. And that's when it really starts to mean something to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting closer to wrapping this up, but I also, there was one more thing that I wanted us to dig into because we talk about success and building up yourself as an independent woman at such a young age. So how does this now for you? I mean, I don't know if you're dating, you can, we can share that if you'd like um, morph into becoming in, into a relationship because you were once given advice that it was, it said the most epic thing that will ever happen to you in your twenties and thirties is marriage. And how does that make you feel the thing that first of all, this is the most epic thing that could ever happen to you in your twenties and thirties. I, um, I could go somewhere on that. Um, but also how does being a su- successful woman really set you up for a relationship and how do you see that rolling out for you in your relation, your next relationship? I love that you asked this. So no, I'm not dating anyone currently, but I think to that point, one, how I felt when I got that piece or that advice or whatever you would call that, that sentiment, (laughs) I I did kind of, granted, I'm from the South. I'm from the South United States. People get married at like 19 here still. So, you know, it's a different type of motion. And uh, for like being 24 here, it's getting a little bit better, but it's still like, you know. I'm older and which is in my mind crazy, but (laughs) that point, a little bit about my story. I was in a very long relationship in college after the, um, the, the guy that like kind of broke my heart to start the self-development journey. I dated another guy for a very long time. And and we actually, like, we did the whole thing. He asked my parents to get engaged. We, we were set on it. And you talk about that inner knowing. I really believe, um, had I not done the work up until that point, I would have married him and we would have Mm. had a fine marriage. Why I'm so passionate now about continuing my work is because he was a great guy. Like I said, there was no external. It was like, it just, we weren't each other's person. We we didn't make each other better. And um, I feel like so many women, because they haven't done the work, they're in very fine relationships. And I want to be proactive about educating people my age to, to say yes to themselves and not now, not no, but not now to the pressures of the world telling them to settle down. Cause that's where I was. And I had this, you know, for a couple of months before I knew when it was about time for, for us to kind of get the whole engagement thing through, I was just waking up in the middle of the night and I just knew, and I didn't want to know. I tried to, I, it. I tried to ignore <laughs> it, 
but I know my language so well. It was crystal clear. Mm-hmm. And I wish I didn't understand it because it was a, it was the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. And I second guessed myself for months after that being said, I wouldn't change it for the world because what that did for me is I actually put into practice, not only what I preached up until that point, but what I believed I was capable of, but wasn't sure, which is I can do this on my own. I can't like, I am okay. Not only am I okay, like, yeah, like life's fine. It's like, no, life is great. It's really great. And there's another level of deepening when you choose yourself and when you do pour into yourself. Now, how that plays out now is I, goodness gracious. I think, um, the, in in regards to dating, because I have been on dates, I've, I've dated, there's a lot less intention, uh, and clarity with my generation. And that frustrates me to no end. Mm person. I will say for any woman who's like me, that is career oriented, growth oriented. It's harder. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to find. I haven't found the guy that, that makes me better in that way yet. I haven't, but don't settle. That's what I tell myself. It's like, it's easier to settle. Do not do that. Like Mm -hmm. you are so much. And until someone makes you even better, don't jeopardize regressing your progress because you're uncomfortable being alone. Because the most lonely thing in the world is not being alone. It's being with someone and feeling alone. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's such, such, such wise advice. And for you to be able to follow that, because I think a lot of people don't trust it or they think, well, what if I'm making the wrong decision by not being with this person or my family thinks he's so great, or I can see this great life that we could have together, but you're right. It does come down to your inner knowing, you know, you know, in your heart. And if you're even questioning it, that's a sign in itself that maybe it's time to listen a little more. Because I think what happens too, when we're afraid to be alone, because that's huge. I mean, people stay in marriages because they're too afraid to be alone. People jump into another relationship because they're too afraid to be alone because they have to, we have to face ourselves. But when we are feeling afraid to be alone, we're going to do one of three things. We're going to settle with someone because we think that's as, as good as it's going to get for us. We're going to stay with someone even though we know it's not right, but because we might not feel like we're good enough for them, right? And so we try to mold ourselves and bend and flex into whatever kind of person that they want us to be because we feel like we don't quite match up. And then third, we will stay and overlook relationship red flags. We will dismiss questionable behaviors. We will pretend to, to you know, to look away and give a blind eye to things we know are wrong because we have that fear of being alone because we just haven't been with ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a huge difference between being lonely and feeling alone and being being alone in that solitude place of I'm comfortable with who I am. And I think that we all have to put ourselves there to really be sure in a relationship. And I think you are setting that example for young people because if you can't be alone now in your life, it's going to get a lot harder when your relationship becomes habit forming and it's much harder to get out of that. Mm-hmm. And so trust yourself. I think it's so key to trust your heart and to know that it's okay. Like you're not going to be alone forever. You know that there this is not the end of the road that you know this isn't this isn't necessarily 
the be all end all and the only person you're ever going to find. I mean, I don't believe there's only one person in the world for everybody. I think that there's many, it just depends on what season that you're in and who you are at the time. And so give yourself that, that permission to put yourself first in that way. And I think that is what gonna, it, what makes huge gains in the long term. Um, Annie, I'm so, so happy that you were here with me today. And I'm so grateful that you have so much to share and so much to give back and such an impact that you're making on the lives of young people. Um, and I hope that my daughter can aspire to be someone like you one day. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much. It was an honor to be on. Amazing. Well, everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. Please go over to Spotify, to Google, to Amazon, to Stitcher, to iHeartRadio, to Apple Music, and please make sure to follow the show. If you liked what you hear today, please share it. Please give us a rating because the more people we get in front of, the more people we can help along the way because Annie and I are both here in in this world to serve others in the best way that we can. So thank you all for listening. And thanks, Annie, for being here. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week. All of us know that it is next to impossible to make rational, logical, and even smart decisions from a place of fear. Most times, if we are in a place of fear and uncertainty, we won't make a decision at all. Cindy supports many individuals and couples at this stage who have been unhappy and unfulfilled, who are either currently in the process of divorce or just only contemplating the idea of separation. Cindy's clients are wise and brave enough to realize that they need to know more before they are able to make such a big life decision. Working with a divorce coach at these stages is the smartest investment you could make for yourself and your family, and it will almost always set you up for a better outcome, whether you choose the path of divorce or not. There have been many individuals and couples who have decided to give their marriage another shot after working with Cindy. As a divorce coach, certified divorce specialist, and qualified discernment counselor, Cindy is an advocate of healthy relationships, whether a couple chooses to separate or try to stay together. She provides new insights, education, guidance, emotional support, and understanding of the many possible options for both individuals and couples who are on the brink of separation. At the end of the day, as Maya Angelou once said, when we know better, we do better. This is exactly the focus and purpose of working with Cindy. Are you considering separation or currently in the process of divorce and feeling overwhelmed, afraid, and confused about what this means for your future and that of your children? Do you want to make the right decision without regrets? Why keep waiting? Book a free confidential discovery call with Cindy today. Text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446 or email info at divorceredefined.ca. All of us know that it is next to impossible to make rational, logical, and even smart decisions from a place of fear. Most times, if we are in a place of fear and uncertainty, we won't make a decision at all. Cindy Stibbard, founder of Divorce Redefined, professional divorce and decision coaching, supports many individuals and couples at this stage who are unhappy and unfulfilled, who are either currently in the process of divorce or just only contemplating the idea of separation. Does this sound like you? If it does, you are not alone. Text DIVORCE to 602-200-6446 to book your free call. 
Those who choose to work with Cindy are wise and brave enough to realize that they need to know more before they're able to make such a big life decision. Working with a divorce and decision coach at these stages is the smartest investment you could make for yourself and your family. And it will almost always set you up for a better outcome, whether you choose the path of divorce or not. There have even been many individuals and couples who have decided to give their marriage another shot after working with Cindy. Because what she offers at Divorce Redefined is different. You don't have to only be getting a divorce to benefit from her professional guidance. Cindy offers a unique element in addition to her popular divorce services called Decision Coaching. Decision coaching is a type of guided support that is meant to help couples get out of that indecision purgatory. Modeled after her training at the Doherty Relationship Institute, Cindy Stibbard's decision coaching approach is specifically designed to do just that, help couples come to a decision, whether to take one more shot at reconciliation or whether it's better to prepare for divorce. Regardless of the direction taken, couples on the brink finally find the clarity and confidence to know whatever they decide, it is what's best for their family. As a divorce and decision coach and certified divorce specialist, Cindy Stibbard is an advocate of healthy relationships. Whether a couple chooses to separate or try to stay together, she provides new insights, education, guidance, emotional support, and understanding of the many possible options for both individuals and couples who are in the process of uncoupling. At the end of the day, as Maya Angelou once said, when we know better, we do better. This is exactly the focus and purpose of working with Cindy. Are you considering separation or currently in the process of divorce and feeling overwhelmed, afraid, and confused about what this means for your future and that of your children? Do you want to do this right and make choices without regret? If you still aren't sure, ask yourself this. If I'm still in this exact place six months to a year from now, am I going to be okay with that? If your answer is no, Cindy is ready for you. Book a free confidential discovery call with Cindy at Divorce Redefined today. Text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446. That's text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446 to book your free discovery call today. You don't have to do this alone.